Hey y'all, it's Brian Rosefield. Just reminding you, if you're enjoying this content, we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend about the Greatest Games Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here on the Greatest Games Podcast, as always. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, a JV coach, a high school coach, a college coach, an AU coach, just whatever they consider to be their greatest game. And you know what? All we do is just break down barriers, Chris de Blasio. And we have our first, if I believe, our first radio host slash high school coach slash former college coach slash son of a college coaching legend, Barry Sanderson, join us on the Greatest Games Podcast, the head coach of Tuscaloosa Academy in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, also the host of the Inside the Locker Room show, on the on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa, it's a mouthful. Coach Sanderson, welcome to the show. I appreciate it there, Blas and Brian. I appreciate you guys. We go way back. Looking forward to uh, being on the podcast with you guys. Way, way back. We were talking before the show about all the children you have. You're like a, like a Mormon or something. <laughs> but you're talking about your daughter getting married here coming up. And we knew Caroline and Blake when, I mean, Blake couldn't have been more than four years old when you guys came to South Carolina. Right. Am I right? Caroline, no doubt. Maybe six or seven. Now she's getting married. Yeah, no doubt. Caroline's 26 now living in Atlanta and, uh, Blake's 24, both graduates of Alabama. I got, uh, Two 14-year-olds in the house. I've got a uh, – and a four-year-olds. We're starting all over. I got a – actually, my new wife has a uh, 18-year-old. is a freshman in Alabama. So, if anybody needs any parenting advice about any age group, I got you. I got <laughs> you. Parenting advice. Now, parenting advice of of your own children, stepchildren, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever yeah. it means. You got it all. You I got one get one getting married and one in daycare and everything in between. So <laughs> whatever you need, I got it. <laughs> well, that you, is great. You mentioned Blake and Barry. I'll be interested if you hear, if, if you remember this story, we were in Maui for the Maui Invitational. It was, I don't know if it was an off day, but everybody was down at the pool. Everybody just hanging out. And Blake, who was, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, I don't know how old he was, had climbed up some rock formation in the waterfall <laughs> at the pool. And you looked up there and said, Blake, get down from there. And he turned around with just dead stone cold eyes and said, nope. And that story <laughs> has lived on. Like, Blas and I talk about it all the time. People, Jeannie and I talk about it. Everybody talk. Nope. You, you want to do something? Nope. <laughs> it's yeah, just... <laughs> he was, he was yeah, as quiet as could be. Yeah. Did I spank you? Did I not spank you? Actually, <laughs> actually, uh, we had uh, Coach Odom on the show a couple of days ago who runs the Maui Classic right now. We talked about uh, our games out there in Maui where we played uh, UCLA, Kansas, and Chaminade. And, oh, Duke, uh, Duke, was, not Kansas. Yeah, it was Duke. Was it Duke? That's why it I was told. Duke. Yeah, actually, Kansas lost to Ball State in the tournament. Who they Ball did. State, we – we beat to go to New York uh, later on that year, but it was a great, great experience. But now that tournament, unfortunately, will not be in Maui this year. It'll be over in Asheville, North Carolina. And the reason we talked about it was because Alabama 
will be part of the 18 field with North Carolina and several other teams over in the field this year. Wow. The Maui yeah. Invitational in Asheville. Asheville's a nice city. It's not Maui. But it's not, but, I mean, <laughs> no, it's, it's not Maui at all. It's not Maui at all. I told Dados, I'll go with you the trip when you go to Maui. I'm not going to Asheville. <laughs> so. I, we need a road trip. We need a in-the-locker-room road trip with Barry and, uh, and Wimp up to Asheville. That's what we need. A couple of Maybe we'll do that. hours Maybe in the we'll car. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so uh, anyway, the locker room, inside the locker room, you guys need to tune in, tied to 100.9, download the app. It's 7 to 9 Central. Every morning we have great guests. We had Coach Oda. We've had Reese Davis, Charles Barkley. We've had them all. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, Nick Saban. We're the only, only show that could drop Nick Saban four times and him call us back. So we, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so we've had we have a great time doing the show. And I, I know sometimes I know sometimes I don't know how many times, but I know you looking at the Twitter and stuff. You've had Sonny Smith on, and those must be great uh, conversations with you. Yeah, dad. well, Sonny's <laughs> on every Friday at eight fifteen uh, Central. Yeah. Uh, so that's a comedy hour. Yeah, Sonny just Smith too, and we two crazy old coots talking basketball. <laughs> no doubt, and we actually have a South Carolina native, J.C. Sherbeth. Joins us every Wednesday at seven fifteen to break down college football. Uh, so uh, right. we enjoy doing the show. So it's pretty cool. So all right, coach. What we like to start off with here is uh, tell us about your your resume in basketball, and, and you know all your stops you made, and how you got into coaching, and, and what brought you to where you are today there at Tuscaloosa Academy. All right. So obviously, uh, as you guys mentioned. My dad was a head coach at Alabama. I grew up, I uh, went to the University of Alabama, I guess was a student assistant manager, whatever you want to call it here with Alabama uh, from 1986 to 90. Uh, I think they went to 316s with Robert Ory, Latrell Sprewell, uh, all those guys. Here. And Darby and Rich. Dar in the, the cool Darby Rich. Who's been uh, on the podcast. Well. <laughs> oh, sweet. Got, you guys are big time. Uh, so my first coaching job was a um, a GA at Texas A and M. I was out there ten months, and so we got fired. Uh, then I went to Georgia. I went to Georgia with Hugh Durham for one year. Then I got I was fortunate to get the job at Arkansas Little Rock, and I was there for six years. Uh, after two years, my dad came. We had we won a conference championship at the, in the Sun Belt. We had uh, five time NBA champion Derek Fisher. Uh, played with us, recruited him there. We beat Sanford uh, on him. He had two Division One offers, Sanford and Arkansas Little Rock. And uh, so it was a great experience there. Then I left and went to East Carolina for a year. Lipscomb for a year. I was at uh, Wake Forest after that for one season with Dave Odom, thinking, man, I'm not ever moving again. I'm in the ACC. And after one year, uh, we moved to South Carolina, and I guess we were there, what, seven or eight years. That's where I met you two little turds uh, over in Columbia, <laughs> South Carolina. We'll edit and that I part love, out. I love, I, love my I love my time uh, in Columbia. Great friends. I think we had great players, uh, good, good teams. Not great teams, but winning back-to-back -back NIT championships, going to one NIT championship final, going to one NCAA tournament, going to the SEC tournament final. Uh, beating uh, the national champion in Florida twice uh, during a regular season, beat them at Florida and at South Carolina. Great memories. I love Columbia. Uh, obviously love you guys. So 
And then from there, I came back to Tuscaloosa after getting out of coaching, was here working in business, uh, took a job here at a local private school four years ago. And we've been fortunate. This will be my fourth year. The first three years, uh, we won the state championship my first year, my third year. And the second year, we were actually in the state championship at law. So all three years, we've been in the state championship. Well, we won it twice. Uh, so it's been a, been a great experience here in Tuscaloosa. Getting to kind of keep coaching kids, uh, I've enjoyed it uh, tremendously. And uh, I'm back here where I'm from, so it's been a great experience. Coach, tell us, and because I've seen it in, in person, I've seen it with what you did at South Carolina, I've seen it with the camps that you've ran, um, just relationships that you build with kids. I, I know it's not a strategy, but just talk about how important that is and what you've learned just in building relationships with kids throughout your stops throughout basketball. Uh, great question. Uh, I really enjoy the kids. I, I try to be really hard on them, but I try to uh, just show them that I love them. You know, as hard as I am on them, they know that I actually care about them. I check about them on the court, but also off the court. Uh, I got uh, all the guys that I played at South that, that played when I was in South Carolina, Little Rock. I was actually messaging with the guy at Little Rock today. Uh, I really like Carlos Powell. I mean, I see what he's doing now. I see what uh, Torrance Kinsey's doing now. Trey Kelly. Those things mean the world to me of what these guys are doing. Guys that came, uh, some guys came from tough, tough backgrounds, but just, you know, showing those guys that you care about them, having a sense of humor with them, uh, but pushing them. Uh, they know when you're being fake. Uh, they know when you actually care about them. So that that's really quite honestly the reason I coach is uh, to develop a relationship with kids and hope to hopefully to make their life better. That's uh, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's why we're all in this. And and you talk about some some different players you've had, but you've also had the opportunity to work. Obviously, you had a lot of stops, like a lot of co college coaches do, and you've had the opportunity to work with some great coaches. Uh, obviously, your dad and he Dorm and Coach Odom. I mean, just between the three of those guys, that's over fifteen hundred college wins and. And you got to be an assistant and, and see things from the assistant coach's role. What do you think makes a great assistant coach uh, on the college level, uh, or high school level? I think a great assistant coach is a guy that's uh, going to be loyal, uh, honestly, to the head coach. Uh, you got to back your head coach with the players. Uh, sometimes you may not totally agree with what the head coach is doing, uh, but you got to say it in a way to the players where they understand it and you have the head coaches back. Uh, and I think those things are important. You know, um, these head coaches, uh, they have a tough job. I mean, they've got to deal with the media. They've got to deal with a lot of things. So our job is to make those guys' job easier, uh, handle problems that maybe we don't even want to get in front of those guys that we, uh, we try to handle before it gets to those guys. Uh, sometimes it has to get to those guys, but – uh, I guess the main thing is being loyal, being a loyal assistant coach uh, and really respecting uh, the head coach because they gave you this opportunity. You're not going to always agree, and you have to be honest with those guys, but more importantly, be respectful when you talk to them because they're giving you a great opportunity to work under them. 
I was having that conversation today with, with actually a kid that played for me at Ridgeview and I was coaching for us at Ridgeview and just talking about that role of an assistant coach. And I think you say that so well, just taking things off the head coach's plate, just where they may not even even exist in the head coach's world, just to just to free them up to think big picture and think long term. I think that's so huge. And Barry, I'm just I'm fascinated by your experience in college basketball and now in high school basketball. So I'm curious, and I don't know what level of players you, that you have now, but how would you assist and counsel your players now that are being recruited to play in college, knowing that you've been on the college side for so long? So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, I've got one kid that plays for me, uh, and I tell him uh, he wants to be recruited. He has a chance to play uh, Division I basketball. So the unfortunate thing for him is with the COVID hitting because I thought the AAU opportunity this summer was going to be huge for him to be seen by multiple coaches. Now he's got to continue to work hard. I will reach out to coaches for him, but I know how, how tough these guys' jobs are, and he's got to be worthy of me making that phone call uh, for those guys to come see him because these guys' time is limited. And I talk to him about that all the time. Hey, you got to work in the weight room. You got to get in the gym. You got to, you got to shoot the basketball more than you ever believe because the level we play, people may not respect you. And if you do all those things, then I will make the call uh, for these college coaches to come see you because I think they will respect what I say, because I have stood in their shoes. I understand uh, what level player they need. Uh, I understand the difficulty of playing college basketball. So you you trust me, and if you trust me, I will help you. And so that's kind of how I've done it. I really only have one guy, quite honestly, on my team this year that has an opportunity to play. And the COVID situation with all the coaches being locked down until January at the minimum – it's been a burden for him as well as being seen. So hopefully uh, he'll trust me. I can get some guys in to watch him play, and and uh, we'll see what, what happens from there. That's interesting. That's an interesting way you put it, that, that, that if he puts in the work, you'll make the call. Like, yeah, you're not – I'm not calling to sell you if you're not willing to put in the work. That's interesting. Yeah. I like that answer. Yeah, well, so many people, so many people send film and – stat sheets and all that. I understand. I was in South Carolina Wake Forest and, and even lower levels than that, but we get all that stuff. But if somebody, uh, if, if I'm going to make that call, I know what it takes. And a guy that hasn't coached that level makes the call. He might not quite understand. And so I've tried to explain to him and his parents <laughs> on the front end, look, you do your part, I'll do mine. Uh, but first you got to do yours before I put my neck on the line for you. And my dad's seen him play who, uh, obviously been very successful. He thinks the guy's kids got a really good chance to be successful. Uh, so hopefully we can, we can help him. He's worthy of it. He's put the work in, but I wanted him to do that first to prove himself. Then I'll do my part and make the calls for him. Uh, Coach, I remember a great – I don't even know if you remember this. You know, you talk about getting those recruiting tapes and those stat sheets and all those things. There was somebody uh, somebody sent in a tape. You know, they used to pile up on Billy Ole's desk back there in the office. <laughs> and uh, they, they sent in – they had a picture of their son shooting the ball, and they had a picture of Pistol Pete Maravich shooting the ball. And it said something like, notice the form is just like Pistol Pete's. 
I hope we threw that in trash can. Did we, or did we watch I think you it? saved it just for the comedy of it, but you're like, oh, yeah. you felt like saying like, hey, hey, mom, dad, if he was as good as Pistol Pete, we'd be recruiting him. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I try to tell my parents that, should I pay to be get this recruiting service? I'm like, ma'am, listen, I was in college. I got all those services. Let me tell you what I did. Was I threw them in the trash can. So if you <laughs> want to spend your money for that, go go right ahead. I think my word is better than any recruiting service that you're going to pay your money for. So <laughs> and we got numbers. And there may be a diamond erupt every once in a while. Uh, but the kids that can really play it. But I feel sorry for some of the kids now with the COVID and all that because they didn't get a chance to get out and be seen. So there may be some diamond erupts out there uh, in the next couple of years that maybe the college coaches don't know. That's right. That's right. It is a uh, difficult times and I don't know what it's like around the country in every spot, but at least in South Carolina, we are opening back up slowly and we're actually playing high school football and volleyball and hopeful that basketball will be starting on schedule and, um, be able to see kids running up and down on hardwood here soon but coach you know the name of the podcast is the greatest games podcast so we know that you've been a part of a lot of great games so if you have one two 13 we have all the time in the world for the great barry sanderson but we'd love to hear about your greatest game that you've ever been a part of as a coach well that's different i got several uh i guess my first one is that actually uh coach numerous college games my first was probably my high school uh coaching my high school cool career my first year i took a job at Tuscan's academy they called and said look there's no players here uh the guy left uh because there was no players uh do you want the job i said, i know i guess I, yeah i'll take it so i watched this practice the first day and i said you're right there's no players there so i called one guy that left uh and he came back and uh these kids balled in uh like a team I've never seen before. And so we go all the way. Uh, we win our area. Uh, we get into the final eight and make it all the way to the state championship game. And we're playing a team literally that has uh, my tallest guy is the most six, two and a half, or they got six, eight, six, five fast as lightning. And we kind of devised a game plan to play, spread the court out of some quick guards that could play. And we ended up beating those guys for the state championship. When they told me, uh, four or five months earlier, there's no way to, to win this year. Just take the job. We'll, we'll work it out. And we won the state championship uh, with a bunch of guys against a bunch of six, eight guys. Uh, so that was probably one of my, one of my favorite times uh, in coaching. You know, Hey, it doesn't matter what level you coach. It's all relative for those kids that thought they had no chance when I walked in that door to win a state championship and get a ring the thrill on their faces when that clock hit zero zero uh, down in Montgomery, Alabama uh, was priceless. If you go to the college level, I uh, have some personal. Uh, well, go, we'll go. So we're, we're take it, take it, take us back. Wait, before, before you get on, I want to talk about right. that a little bit. All right. All right. Go ahead. Okay. So you're going through the state playoffs. You're winning, you're winning, you're winning. What do you say to them the day before that championship game or, or in the locker room? I mean, I know you're not a huge rah-rah guy, but what do, you, what do you say to them to make them believe in themselves and that they can get it done? Well, leading up to the tournament and the tournament, I, I took what Wimp taught me. That's my dad. Uh, every game, each game is the championship game. So, so many people look at the bracket. They think 
the championship games on the last day. No, that's all we focus on was the first game. Uh, and so I did – I cut down practices. Uh, I tried to make it fun. We went bowling. We did some crazy things off – kind of off the grid that people don't normally do. But anyway, to get to the championship game, I remember one time when he spoke to his team, right before they went out and everybody get on one knee, and they thought about somebody who – meant the world to them uh, that, that really changed their life. And they got on one knee and they prayed for that particular person and dedicated that game to them. And I'll be honest, I've never had a team <laughs> come out and light it up like they did uh, the first time. I don't know if that was why, uh, because we had people in heaven looking over us, but it was kind of a cool experience. But that was something I learned from my dad, like, you know, growing up in a coaching family, been in the uh, locker room for for a team that was in the SEC tournament finals nine out of twelve years. He had been in part of a lot of finals, and I'd and they won it six times. So I kind of had an up close uh, view of kind of how he did it, and it was successful. And I figured, man, if it worked for him, uh, he he ain't that smart. I'm as smart as him, and maybe it'll work for me. Uh, that is, that's so the far, thing you can. I don't think you can use that one all the time, though. You have to pick and choose when to use that one knee one. I think. Yeah, but you, no, and that's right. Uh, you know, he used to talk about his trainer, uh, who sang a lot of "God Bless His Soul." Is is not living now, but he had a pair of scissors in his back pocket, and he's got them sharpened up. He said, "All I ask for you." is to leave me the last strand on the net. So you cut the net down. Things <laughs> like that kind of juice me up. It gives me it gives me goosebumps. Uh, it's like the time you guys remember we were going to play Tennessee, if you guys remember that. And they were – I don't know if you guys were there then, but they were out dunking on our goal prior to pre-warmers. They were doing hook dunks, and I had to scout that game. I remember in the locker room, I went absolutely off about how disrespectful they were to our arena – and uh, to us and I, Torrance kids and them were like chewing nails. I think we started that game on a 19 or 21 to two run. And we absolutely <laughs> blew Buzz Peterson and Tennessee out of the building uh, that night. So I don't know. It's just kind of, a, I get the, I get the adrenaline flowing sometimes uh, in, in my pregame speech, in my pregame speeches, as you guys know. I was saying, yeah, Chris says he's not a rah-rah guy. I, I remember being in there. I got the hair raising up on my neck thinking about you sometimes yeah. in the locker room before the game. Yeah. I, 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 hey, Coach Odom was great with that. Hey, if you were an assistant and it was your scout, man, you got to stand up and address the team. Now, how awesome is that? Like Nick Saban here, it's one voice, one guy talking, but Coach let us get up and talk to the team before – big sec games and i did a lot of scouts as you guys know and uh, so that was a great experience and i appreciate coach Adam letting me do that all right so then you wanted to talk about uh, some college games now well i mean you guys uh i don't know i can't remember my years run together but the year uh florida won the, the national championship we had uh i guess brandon wallace and Torrance kenzie and trey kelly and uh, and Bryce Sheldon, uh, and we knocked them off, I guess, in Tuscaloosa. I can't remember where we played them first. They were, Gainesville. Yeah, we, we did. Beat, we beat them first in Gainesville, then in, in Columbia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember Bryce, Bryce Sheldon going baseline on a late yeah. in the game. He shot, shot a ball, hit the side of the rim, bounced up, and went in. I turned to Rick <laughs> Duck and said, Baby, we're winning tonight. Uh. And, uh, <laughs> 
you, you guys remember, they give you a locker room that's about as big as a sardine can to dress <laughs> out in. It is so miserable there in Gainesville. But, but for us to, to go, and they had uh, Joe Kim Noah, uh, Al Horford, all those guys now that you see play uh, that played in the NBA, uh, for us to beat those guys and beat them twice and then play them in the actually the SEC championship game in Nashville, we had a shot in the air. Uh, to win the game uh, was was a great experience. So those were probably, you know, two or three of my favorite wins there, beating a team like that. And, you know, beating Kentucky uh, and Tennessee, I guess, in the SEC tournament. Yeah. Uh, in order to make that final uh, against Florida and lose by two uh, was heartbreaking. And those, I guess, uh, beating – who did we beat in the SEC? I mean, the uh, NIT finals. Was it Michigan? Uh, we was beat, that the semifinal? We beat Michigan, Louisville in the semifinals, and Michigan in the finals that one year. Yeah. I mean, that we was unbelievable. Off. And we yeah. blew Louisville out, too. Rick Patino's Louisville team. We were dunking all over them. Yeah. How about the year before that? We beat St. Joseph with Torrance Kinsey. Uh, yeah. It's a shot at the buzzer. So just do that. As you know, Chris, you're a New York guy. Uh, do that in Madison Square Garden. Like, that don't even seem real to me right now. A guy who's <laughs> coaching high school. Like, I was coaching games in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and to win an NIT championship when you had to go on the road and win, like, at Florida State, Virginia, and Cincinnati, the places that we won, that's not easy to do. I think sometimes the South Carolina fans don't understand how difficult that was and what a great uh, job those kids did. That's where I want to go with it, Barry, because all of us on, on this podcast episode know how difficult of a run those were. And you're right. Like outside of it, I think fans just think, well, it's not the NCAA tournament, so it must have been easy. It doesn't matter. So tell 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 us what it's like from a coach's perspective to go through that murderer's row, Cincinnati, Florida State on the road. I mean, just tell us what that experience was like for you. It was awesome. Uh, you know, during that time, for whatever reason, I kind of hit a run on the scouts. So I got to do the scouts. I know you guys probably uh, helped me with a lot of the scouts that we did, but getting ready for those opponents. And, and Coach Odom always said in the NIT, the most important game is the first game. If you get past that first game, then you really feel like you're in something because not a lot of teams play in, uh, in college basketball still. So for us to be able to win those games and and go on the road and do those things to win at Florida State, win at Cincinnati. It was actually Andy Kennedy and actually Frank Martin were on that staff. We uh, we we, we, the, we had we had Frank on the podcast and we talked about that that night. Yeah, so uh, Devin Downey, I was actually playing for Cincinnati. I think Trey Kelly, quite honestly, got the best of him uh, that night. And Ronaldo Balkman, uh, you guys have been through all the experiences with him with me. Uh, trying to get that kid kid eligible and seeing him now playing in the pros. And uh, I think he's got more tattoos than I got since. But, uh, you know, those those experiences were unbelievable. Uh, changing kids' lives, changing that kid's life was, was cool. Uh, but going through that NIT, I, I cherish it. I look at my rings uh, a lot. I got them right by my two state championship rings. And uh, it's not easy to do. My dad and I talk about that on the radio all the time. I think people turn their nose up at the NIT, but I really think it's a, a tough tournament to win, a great experience, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Coach, talk about that. Uh, I'm just looking at the box scores here. Trey Kelly had 21 at Cincinnati. 
How about this? How about we win at Cincinnati that night with Ronaldo playing 17 minutes and not scoring a point? Huh. Well, Ronaldo's like that. You know, he's a <laughs> guy. I remember we played Alabama uh, and he got 28. Richard Hendricks was trying to guard him. You guys know how quick Ronaldo was. Yeah. He got 28, 28 and 17 that night. And I think the next game we played, he got like zero. Like, it just depends <laughs> on how motivated he was. That, that's one of the tough things to coach him. But, uh, yeah, so Ronaldo would have some nights like that, but he also would have uh, some nights like he did against Louisville. I guess the game against Louisville in the Madison Square Garden probably was a game that got him drafted in the first round. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, could, I can remember I, when he got drafted, I had gone through so much with Ronaldo. I picked up the phone and called his mama. And I said, can I talk? Hey, Miss Baldwin, can I talk to Ronaldo? She said, Coach, he just ran out the front door. He's he's running down the st- street screaming right now. He is screaming. <laughs> I said, well, I don't blame you. I'd be screaming too. I think he was, what, the 21st pick of the New York Knicks in the first yeah. round? That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. That was, that was awesome. Sitting well, in your house holding a plate of food when that yep. pick came through. We ladies are like, what? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Blake went crazy. Blake went nuts. I remember Blake. Yeah. So, Coach, the Alabama game, I'm going through the box scores here. He had 28 and 16. You were off by one rebound, but 28 and 16. Not bad. Two nights later, we play Kentucky. He goes for six and two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're right. See, my, my, I'm old. My memory's not that bad, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think we played Western Kentucky, maybe in NIT, and I think he had zero. Like, he, yeah. wasn't, he, didn't, want, he didn't want to play Western Kentucky. He didn't know who that was, but. But that, if he was on and everything was right at that SEC tournament in Nashville, now that guy was outstanding. Uh, he had, a, you know, he had some traits to be very, very good. And the uh, guy was, had the longest arms. He's the only guy I've ever seen can stand straight up and tie his shoes. Uh, when you can do that, you got long arms. That's a pretty good sign for a basketball player. So, Coach, before before the podcast, you talked about a game that you wanted to talk about uh, with Trey Kelly. Yeah. At Mississippi State. Tell us about that game. Well, uh, Trey Kelly, uh, I can't remember who we were playing at home. It was a non-conference game. and uh, Trey hurt his knee. I think it was Jacksonville, maybe. We had Kansas coming up. And Trey was uh, – I thought he had torn his meniscus, I guess. And uh, his season was going to be over. And I can remember Trey was uh, went to the doctor and he was laying on the <laughs> table and he was going to have surgery. And right before the surgery, he got a phone call, and it was his grandmother. His. <laughs> grandmother. It was his grandmother who has passed away now, but his grandmother said, Trey, trust in God, don't have the surgery. And so Trey said, and anything his grandmother said was gold, golden. So Trey said, I'm not going to have the surgery. I'm going to try to play. And so uh, the doctor was like, looking at him like he was crazy, and he said, uh. okay. He said, so Trey, what, he said a couple of weeks or whatever, and he played the entire year with a torn meniscus. We're playing at Mississippi State. And Trey, the, whatever it was, there was a little flap in the meniscus so it could flip out and lock his knee up. And so we're there, and, the, and we're playing, and then we're in the first half. It's a great game. Second half, it gets tight. I mean, and we really need Trey. And his knee, his meniscus flips out. And he is, his knee locks up. So he like hobbles over to the bench. So Mark Rogers, I believe, is a trainer then. <laughs> he seemed to, I don't know if this is 
uh, I guess this is okay. He takes me to the back. They massage his knee, and they flip it back in. So Trey runs out of the tunnel. He runs down the, in front of the bench, and he doesn't even ask if he could check back in the game. He just runs to the table. He runs to the table, and the game comes down. It's at the very end of the game. I think it's a literally a tie score. And Trey comes down, and he does a spin move. And, and Blas, if you can pull the box score up, I can't tell you how many points he had. He had 23 that night. He had 23 yeah, yeah. assists. Well, I can tell you the last two was a spin <laughs> move, and he laid that thing in, and we win on the road at Mississippi State. It's one of the greatest uh, personal performances, a guy playing through pain, through an injury. I tell him, we, he and I talk all the time uh, through – social media all the time and I have to say man that was one of the un- most unbelievable moments the most and think about this this guy had a chance probably to play professional basketball but he was so selfless like he could have easily had the surgery and been done with his college career and then gone on and, and played great basketball because he was a baller but he he didn't he, he did not have the surgery because his grandmother told him not to play the entire season uh, I think he averaged what well, you guys have to pull up 17 or 18 points a game. 18 uh, 18.9. 18.9. 18.9 with a torn meniscus that would flip out in the middle <laughs> of the game in a trainer. So I I will never forget that moment in, in all my life to how selfless Trey Kelly was and what a performance he put on that night to win in Starkville, Mississippi, which is a really hard place to win. Coach, I'm gonna tell two quick stories about Trey Kelly in that season. Uh, one is the, I remember the old, the old miss game at home near the end of the season we're playing and he is just torching whoever's guarding him. And every time he scores, Andy Kennedy turns and looks at his assistant coaches as if to say like, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> I mean, Trey was just, I mean, every possession he would score, he had 28 that night, played 39 minutes, but that summer, I remember it was July. I was in my office on a Saturday for something. I just had to go pick something up. And you, you remember where the dungeon was. There was that old staircase in the oh, yeah. my arena. And I hear oh. something. I mean, there's nobody there. It's a Saturday morning in July. There's not a single person in the building. And I hear something in the stairwell. And I go outside to look, and it's Trey. And he is dripping with sweat. And he's got weights. He's got weighted things on his ankles and his wrists. And he's wearing a weighted vest. And he's running up and down the stairs. And I said, what the heck are you doing? He said, for us to win this year, I think I'm going to have to play 40 minutes a game. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> have at it, buddy. <laughs> but that's Trey Kelly. Uh, yeah. he, still, he still plays. I, I, watched, I saw something where he was playing some one-on-one thing up in D.C. He talked about, hey, hey, he was the man in D.C. and all the younger boys don't know it. <laughs> he was going to prove it to them, and he did. Uh, I mean, just think about guys like Trey Kelly and uh, Ronaldo Balkman and uh, Brandon Wallace and even Devin Downey, who we didn't get to coach as much. But, uh, I mean, you know, Torrance Kinsey is a guy that really came from nothing. And that guy – uh, to be able to play in the NBA, play overseas, have the impact that he's had, uh, and make a pile of money and have a great life there. Uh, I mean, those are great times. Uh, you guys were a great part of that. 
and uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, I wish we could get everybody back and have a reunion, to be honest with you. It'd be, it'd be awesome. We should do that. And you talk about a guy like Torrance Kinsey. I remember y'all moving him around on practice squads. Whatever squad that y'all put him on was going to be the squad that was going to win that particular segment of practice or whatever scrimmage they were no doing. Doubt. It was unbelievable. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, there's a guy who was always talking in practice. Uh, when they were going to run, he's like talking to the guys, like, hey, we're going to, we're going to make the run, uh, whatever the time is, uh, an ultimate leader, uh, there that kind of grew into it, to be honest with you. Uh, the guy had the best little, uh, in between pull up jump shot right oh. there at the elbow. Oh, it was deadly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, those kids were fun, uh, to be around. Even the guys when we got to the Aaron Lucas's and, God bless for uh, R- Rolando, uh, who's passed away now. But uh, we had some 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 Chuck Edson, some great great guys there when we got there, and I think we added to it as well. So but I think uh, I think you talk, you, hit, you hit the important stuff is is the lives you can have an effect on and change. And you know, I mean, we, obviously, again, we've gone through them. Kids like Trey Kelly and Ronaldo Balkman and Torrance Kinsey and, and the places that they came from. You know, I, I remember Coach Odom talking about where, where Trey grew up. And, you know, to see what he's done with his life is is tremendous. You know, the opportunity that kids have that that they're given, you know, to play, to come play college athletics. I, I, can, remember, I can remember this with Trey. Trey, we, we would send him home. And they told me in D.C. where Trey lived. It was so it was so tough that literally when he called a cab to go to the airport, he would have to walk uh, about five ten blocks to get a cab. Would not even come to where he lived. It was so uh, dangerous, so he'd have to take his suitcase and walk almost a mile to catch a cab to go to the airport and come back. Now you got you got to have a lot of respect for a guy like that who uh, his mother was murdered on a street corner when he was in the seventh grade, I believe. Uh, just the story is there. Uh, it was, you know, and you know, you know why he listened to his grandma. Now those are the reasons why you coach to, to, to change guys' lives like that. I mean, I would give anything for Trey Kelly and any of those guys, you guys as well. You guys were awesome. Uh, when we were there, it, it was a fun, fun group. Uh, I think everybody got along. We all had a sense of humor and, even old Coach Duckett, Coach Duckett, I had a lot of. <laughs> we had a lot well, of great, we, we great quote, conversations. We, we quote on this on this show often. We quote Coach Duckett. We quote Coach Nestor on this show. We quote Coach Odom. We quote we quote them all on this show. <laughs> give me a give me a Coach Duckett quote right now. What, what, uh, you know what quote? I used I used this one the other day with with uh, my cousin. I was arguing with my cousin about Gary Sanchez and New York Yankees. And I said, you can make your mouth say anything. <laughs> I, I use it all the time. Yeah. 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 You make your mouth so, say anything. That's well, Coach, it, it was. Uh, Go ahead. Clear. That one's by far my favorite in these episode 34 <laughs> here for those fans that want to go back and listen to, to now episode that is, I wish if Duckett. I had a time machine, I would go back to the office and listen to the Coach Duckett and Coach Sanderson arguments. Oh boy! About any, yeah. I mean, it could be about like you know the color of the sky, and the two would argue, <laughs> and then, and then what you would have is you would have Coach Stokes, Coach Ricky Stokes, would just kind of like egg them both on to keep arguing with each other. Oh no doubt, Coach <laughs> Stokes like to keep the fire burning. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> 
But I love those guys, man. That, those guys were unbelievable. Uh, Nestor, Coach Nestor, man, who who can't love Coach Nestor? He, he was the only guy I know that writes a scouting report on a napkin. He doesn't <laughs> scouting report on a napkin. <laughs> so, uh, but so we talk about Coach Duckett's sayings, and he, he's got the great ones. We like to end with this question, Coach. If I asked the, if I asked Derek Fisher, who played for you at Little Rock, and I asked a, a kid who played for you this year at Tuscaloosa Academy, what's the one or two things they would say that Coach Sanderson says all the time? What's that phrase? Uh, it could be a basketball thing. It could just be a life thing. What's that thing you find yourself saying all the time? <laughs> I got a bad habit of playing the best players. How about that one? <laughs> <laughs> That, that is going in the book. I got I to write that one down. <laughs> yeah, like I'm trying to win games too, so I got a bad habit of playing the best players. I don't care what your parents think. I know who the best players are. I'm going to play who I think is best. Uh, so, uh, but and I, hope they would, and I hope they would say that I cared about them uh, on and off the court. If they said that, then I feel like I did my job. Well, that's like I said earlier, that that comes through loud and clear. I know you've got a lot going on with family situation and everything and just kids, kids running everywhere. But it's always been true about you. You always make people feel welcome and and uh, around you in your home. And um, it's just a, it's a real gift that you have. And um, I know I'm thankful to have worked with you and to have done some of those scouting reports you were talking about, uh, writing some of that stuff up. And uh, always, oh, always yeah. learned a lot you, from you. And it was, it was, it was you wrote them stuff. up, and, and uh, Blas kind of, I'd give him all my little scribble, scrabble, and all the breakdowns. I guess there's films a lot more advanced now than it was back then. But, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> it certainly but, is. But Blas would always have the perfect edit uh, for us <laughs> to show the guys. Uh, so, man, you know, you don't appreciate those times when you're going through them. But, man, I wouldn't get anything for them now. I wish, I wish we could go back and do it again, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> yeah. We, we sure had a blast and, and uh, on the road and everything. I, I, I've got to tell this story. We were talking about that that Florida game. Uh, Barry, I don't know if I've ever told you this story. But, you know, we're in Nashville. We've just beaten – three uh, it was mississippi state tennessee and kentucky we'd be kentucky on that yeah. saturday right and yeah us being the guys we were we would just kind of walk around town just kind of just see what was going on after the game and we'd run into kentucky fans everywhere they're you know you know they're just come out of the woodworks blue everywhere and we walk up nobody knows any any you know has no idea who we are who i am and I walk up to people and say, what's going on this weekend? They're like, oh, it's the SEC tournaments in town. I'm like, oh, that's great. Well, who does Kentucky play tomorrow? Just knowing that we've just beaten <laughs> the Kentucky. And they're like, um, well, we, we lost today. You lost. Who'd you lose to? South Carolina. South Carolina? I didn't even realize they had basketballs. Just get, <laughs> yeah, but and Kentucky you. fans were just so – they had no idea. They were so friendly and so nice. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, it was just, just moments like that. And like you said, just moments with everybody that just <laughs> – I miss I miss so much. And uh, just, just had a Oh, yeah. After we beat Kentucky, the price of the ticket went way down in Nashville. <laughs> That's right. We did that to them in Atlanta, too. Remember, we knocked them off in Atlanta. We did, yeah. The price, the, price went, the price went way down. And actually, Coach Otterby talked about that game against Alabama where we got screwed on the uh, three-point oh, play. Held, was not Mo a, Williams uh, held Chuck, yeah, right? Yeah, that terrible call. Terrible his, Quick, I mean, now we're just telling crazy stories. Who was the ref? It was uh, Andre Patillo, right? 
No, it was a uh, guy. He was what was that guy's name? It wasn't Andre Patillo, but uh, all I know is Aaron Lucas was at a game like three years later, just as a fan because he lived in town, and he still <laughs> wouldn't talk to that guy. Yeah, like, we're still him. laughing I, him from the I stand. Saw him right now, I wouldn't talk to him. So, <laughs> uh, some got some games and some plays you never forget. That uh, Mo Williams just held him. He just held him yeah, on the held, ground. And then they, they went to the other end. The guy shot it. They called a foul. They caught it, dunked it back in. They gave him a three point play. Yeah, they gave him a three point play. And it, yeah, oh, it's brutal. Oh, Jamario <laughs> Davidson, I think. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm still sick of that game. Coach Barry Sanderson, Tuscaloosa Academy, tied 100.9 inside the locker room. Download the app. Coach, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes so people can just click on it and and find you. And you know what? Maybe we'll just tune in and maybe Blas and I will call in and just give you guys a hard time about something uh, here. here You need to. I love you guys. I appreciate you letting me be on, man. It's an honor. We we appreciate you doing this. But uh, let's go ahead and put a button on this one for my co-host, Chris de Blasio. I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.